This week's podcast brought to you by Plier Suppliers. So I was once again at my weekly grocery shopping. As I was getting my bags together and putting them in the cart, the woman who works at the, at the grocery store said to me, do you have everything? Like, everything? Since she was very well aware that the last two times I'd been to the grocery store, I'd left a bag there. Says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Oh, before I forget, at the top of this podcast, I should thank. George, my monocle, croaky, and jeweler's loop dealer in Columbus, Ohio, for sending, as promised, on dry ice, via UPS, a 10-pound pumpkin with my face on it. Yeah, you definitely should thank him for that. I opened it. The doorbell rang. UPS put the box on the doorstep. I cut open the top flap, revealing in a plastic bag, a clear plastic bag, my face, my my uh, severed head, beautiful, as it were. Beautiful, beautiful face. Yes, wearing normal corrective lenses. Not I, my portrait wasn't rendered with a jeweler's loop or, or a monocle or a croaky or a croaky for that matter. And 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 its likeness would have been almost as uncanny had he just put a pair of spare glasses on a ten-pound orange pumpkin. <laughs> Well, last year we had the, he sent us the pumpkin with the ball and chain logo on it. This year we get the pumpkin with your face on it. Um, People, if they get close enough trick-or-treating to see in the door, they'll be treated for a second year in a row of a likeness of you carved into a pumpkin. (laughs) but, But we know that they won't get close enough because you've, you had a, um, you acquired 25 20-foot cardboard tubes? Not not quite that many. Well, there's there's a lot of stuff going around the neighborhood, a lot of stuff going around the internet. People still want not, not, to... Not virally, you're talking... You, there wasn't no, a lot of stuff going around a lot the neighborhood. Of, a lot of stuff on social media right. um, where people are trying to figure out a way where they can still make um, Halloween safe for their children. And so there, were, there was a big text chain going around our neighborhood as well. And... Um, And, you know, so people threw out a bunch of ideas, including, you know, having the younger kids go earlier, people giving out candy at the end of their driveways. So everything remains outside and socially distanced. And then my friend and I had seen online that um, some people were getting like PVC pipe and using that to build contraptions as like shoots to send candy down. Well, um, my friend's husband's family owns a flooring company and they um, have, you know, when they install carpeting, it comes on these 12 foot plus long corrugated cardboard tubes. They're like four inches in diameter. Anyway, like, we, a, I, like a like a roll of paper towels, but yes, but enormous and strong. And so I asked her what they typically do with those. And they typically just put them in the recycling. So um, so her husband was able to deliver 
12 or so of them to our house. And um, I was getting worried that we were going to end up then having to figure out a way to transport these huge monstrosities of cardboard to the uh, transfer station to recycle them because no one would want them. Well, instead, um, I might need to have him bring some more over. Everybody in our neighborhood is very excited about them including some of our, um, like, I think most of the moms were planning on, all right, we'll cut this in half. It'll then be a six foot long tube and we can like gently throw the candy through the tube to the, the kid waiting on the other end. Well, then I, I had a more than one person text me and say that once their husband saw the tube, they were now thinking, all right, how do we send candy out of the second story window? What we, I had one family whose um, husband asked for a second tube. So I'm really interested to see what their their contraption is going to be. So anyway, um, all of the tubes are gone. Our neighborhood is going to be full of, like, I don't know, candy contraptions now on sure, Halloween. But, but people will be in a safe distance. They might get shot across the yard as the candy comes down 30 miles an hour and, like, hits them in their chest and they go flying. But, uh, but at least they'll be out of... Um, COVID range. It's a giant straw or a giant spitball shooter or a giant blow dart contraption, but it's not shooting arrows tipped with curare. Right. It's not shooting arrows tipped with curare. <laughs> I, <just laughs> I don't even know here. what that is. But yes, um, you remember in every movie from the 1940s, oh, yeah. they were shooting blow darts with, with poisonous tips. Yeah, but was that what was on the poisonous curare, tip? Curare. Usually, yeah, usually. I've, I've never even heard of curare. But I realized last night when I gave the last tube away, which means our kids would like deliver it over their shoulder. They'd carry it to the neighbor's house. They were having a blast doing that and leaving it on the front steps. But I realized yesterday when I when I gave the last one out that it indeed was the last one and I'd forgotten to save one for us. So um, so I might need to now ask my friend's husband to to make another delivery just so we can have one for our house. The but, truly uh, the truly dedicated uh, trick-or-treat home will paint their tube to look like a pixie stick. Ooh, that would be a good idea. There's a lot of things you could do. Um, you know, my, one of my friends was suggesting, you know, getting like some of the plastic or paper, you know, mini spiders or other things that you could glue onto it and decorate it for Halloween. But uh, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting for a lot of reasons, but an interesting Halloween. It would be nice to make these two-way. Next Halloween, perhaps, we could get pneumatic tubes, like at the bank. Right. You used to go with your mom to the bank. Right. Stick the deposit slip. Did you do that? Of course. Drive through. And then, what, then people can shoot stuff back into our yeah, house? Yeah, there was no... Well, you know, if they wanted to egg your house safely, they could <laughs> do it through a reverse pneumatic tube system. That, to me, is still the height of technology. Smartphones are cool... Um, you know, the, the Apollo 11 was awesome, but there's, to me, there has been no more awesome technology, perhaps because of the age I was when I first discovered it, than the pneumatic tube, especially if you see in a movie where they, you know, they put it, right. the slip in the library on the first floor and it shoots up to the third floor. I still don't know how it works. I wonder for our kids what that is right now, like what they think is the coolest. Analog technology? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not something that they, they would have on a device. But, I don't think um, they think that, you know, video games or smartphones are cool technology. They're just something that they've grown right. up with. But Their minds are more think... blown when they see like a, a Rube Goldberg mousetrap or something. I wonder if they think like an ATM is cool in the way that we thought the pneumatic tube was cool. You know, all of a sudden the uh, machine spits out money. Like, I, I, I'm sure there's something going through their little brains. Um, I just, we should ask them. Well, it's, what it I is. think it's definitely when they see 
YouTube video of of a ten thousand dominoes tumbling, which we've tried to replicate at home with with fifty dominoes, and it doesn't have quite the same effect. Or some kind of better mousetrap game. Those are cool, the chain reaction kind of stuff. Yeah, there was. Um, do you remember um, when you were a kid on? I think it was on Sunday nights. Was it Ripley's Believe It or Not, the TV show? There, yes. Yeah, and uh, I, and there was three with hosts. Jack Palance, wasn't it? Wasn't Jack Pal- Jack Palance? Maybe wasn't one I of might the hosts? be thinking of a different Jack show. Palance I was thinking from... of a show where there's like three hosts. I thought. Oh, that's and incredible. Just, that's incredible. Yeah. Yes, that's the show. And I remember just watching that on Sundays. Fran Tarkenton was, was one of the hosts. Thing. Whether it's um, you know, that's incredible. One of the commercials during that's incredible in that era was probably something that just came up within the last week. I was putting our youngest to bed, and uh, she's in the top of a bunk bed, and um, I made her get down and turn the light off which she was not thrilled about. And um, and then I said to her, I said, when I was a kid, or probably, I think it was when I was a kid, maybe it was when I was a little bit older, I don't remember exactly. I said there was something, um, and, and, and before I told her what it was, I pulled up the commercial, and it was for the clapper. And then I showed it to her, and I said, look, I said, you could be in your bunk bed, and if you wanted to turn off your light, you just had to clap. And um, and what I don't remember from the from watching, like, what wasn't in my memory until I watched the commercial was how angry the woman was at the end when she was turning the lights off. Like it was this older woman and she smacks her hands together, turning the lights off. Like she's furious that the lights are on. It was like a bunch of angry clappers. She wasn't, but in my memory, it seems like she was the same woman as where's the beef from the Wendy's commercials. Yeah, right. Exactly. And when I showed our, the commercial to our daughter, she's, her quote was, I don't think you had that technology back then. And um, and I didn't even know what the well, technology was at the time until I saw the commercial. I didn't realize you had to plug the light into the thing. And, and they also showed plugging a stereo into the thing that then plugged into the wall. So you could not only clap on and off your lights, you could clap on and off your stereo. Clap on, clap off, clap on, clap, clap off. off. The, the clapper. clapper. Yeah. Well, there there's the answer to your question of what technology blows their mind. Yeah, the the technology from back then. Uh, Two new items to add to the pandemic, COVID-19, the pandemic scarcity list. Coke Zero, you tell me, you inform me is... uh... Well, it's weird because Coke Zero early in the pandemic was kind of gone in all forms. And now they had it in the grocery store in like the... Are those two liter bottles? in the two liter bottles, but not in cans or smaller bottles. So I was still able to get it in the big bottles. I think it's but a liter they did bottle, not, but I'm not liter, sure. Okay, in the liter bottles, but they did not have it in um, in cans. So plenty of other sodas in cans, but not Coke Zero. So yes, and what, what what's the other item we need to add? The other item is um, are pliers, regular pliers, not needle-nosed <laughs> pliers, uh, not a, uh, other kinds of pliers, just regular good old-fashioned pliers. And I know this because I went to our local hardware store and to our local big box store, and they both had plenty of tools, but the little spindles that would have held the pliers were empty in both places. And the more I think about it, I think it, it must be because people are doing more home dentistry during the pandemic. You think that's why? I think it might be why. So which so we have the needle nose pliers. What pliers were you looking for? A regular pliers. Regular. Non-needle-nosed. They didn't have them anywhere. Well, they didn't have them. 
Well, they didn't have them in the two places I looked. That we, would ordinarily be my local pliers suppliers. At, at some point. Can I say that again? Yes, please. Pliers suppliers. At some point in the last week, you were in the kitchen and you were in the middle of a home improvement project looking for which, the pliers. Which just, just, can you repeat that statement? I know. I can't believe I said it. And you were in the middle of a home improvement project and you needed pliers for to finish it and you couldn't find the pliers. And you were getting understandably, I'm throwing that in, understandably more and more annoyed that you couldn't find the pliers. So would I if I was in the middle of a project and I couldn't find a tool. Especially if that uh, project had you uh, from your chest to the top of your head in the receptacle where we keep our garbage. Yeah. And so you were getting angry and angry and um, or more frustrated and more frustrated is, is probably... I mean, when I'm when I'm doing that, I'm I am a surgeon operating, and I need I need to snap my finger, call for a scalpel, and have a scalpel placed in my palm. Uh, okay, you were removing a screw. That's but right. Anyway, so you got to the point, and this is something I would do too. You said, "I'm going to the hardware store. I'm just going to get the new pair of pliers." And spent, instead of spending the rest of the afternoon looking for pliers that you might not find, so as the car, your car, was backing out of the driveway and starting to pull away. I had this recovered memory from about three weeks ago when my friend was here and um, put up some of the um, fall Halloween decorations outside, more fall decorations. I had a recovered memory of her saying that she, when she did it, she had borrowed the pliers um, from the garage to put them up and that they were in her car. And For so, real? So I immediately texted her and said, any chance you have our pliers and you're already on the way to the hardware store. And um, like 10 minutes later, she's like, she said, yeah, that is a weird question. But weirdly, yes, I do have your pliers. So anyway. I said, <laughs> Just her luck, that, I, or my luck, that I hadn't needed a pair of pliers in 10 years. Right. Well, and so she brought them to me. I think that night one of our kids had a soccer practice, so I got the pliers from her. But then when I gave you the pliers the next day. Why didn't day, you tell me this? Oh, I was going to. So when I gave you the pliers the next day, you told me, you said, oh, these aren't the right ones. They're not. Okay. So the ones she borrowed, it didn't matter anyway. Um, Well, because I just thought it was better to let you run off to the center of town to look for pliers than to sell out my friend (laughs) and essentially sell out me. But but they weren't the right ones anyway. So it's all good. (laughs) Well, the story ends well because I was able to to uh, replace the cabinet door on the little place where we keep our trash. It had broken off sometime in the summer for your birthday. You wanted that door replaced. I did. I ordered it from some uh, custom cabinet, quick, cheap place in California. It arrived. I ordered it to the exact same specs as the previous cabinet. And um, perhaps my measurement was slightly off, but it was, what would you say, a quarter of an inch too wide so that when you not even probably like an eighth of an inch close too wide. It, it it rubs up against the dishwasher door yeah you have to smush it closed and then yank it open it's also our brown cabinets this is more of an off white unfinished color i guess mm. and um it, the the look of it is a slight improvement on not having a door there at all but a major the, improvement. the containing the containing of the smell from the trash is a huge, huge improvement. And it was accomplished with And you did it all just yourself. Just my, my own gumption and several hundred dollars worth of 
of uh, newly purchased tools. <laughs> yes, from your plier supplier. This might be a good time to mention that tomorrow, not tomorrow, next week our podcast will most likely be a day late because on Tuesday of next week when we normally would record our next podcast, um, I'll be working at the polls for much of the day. And so it'll be difficult for us to also get a podcast in. So we'll probably record it next week on Wednesday, which means it'll come out on Thursday. Did you just give our first programming note? Yes, that's our first programming note. And our daughter and I today get our first, um, we we took the class. I've talked about how we took the class about absentee ballot, the facilitating of the absentee mail-in ballot. And and she and I go today to the town hall to uh, help with the process. So at least we'll be able to talk about, um, actually next week we'll be able to talk about facilitating the process and then what we're doing actually on election day. But... uh, but yes, our programming note, next week's podcast, probably a day late. Not a dollar short, though. Well, we, we talked um, in recent podcasts of how upset I was and disappointed I was that by the time I had scheduled time to take our youngest daughter on a tour of the statues in the um, nearby town, they were being driven away on in pickup trucks between bales of hay. Well, in our town... They have, um, like, down the the old Main Street, where all of kind of the old historic homes are, um, the Historical Society has put up kind of um, posters. How big would you say those things are? It's hard for me to gauge. I don't know. Like, not huge, but these posters in front of um, each house with how it looked, with a photograph of how it looked you know, when it was the picture was first taken. I don't know if these pictures are from the late 1800s, early 1900s. Then there's a, a, a um, just says the name, the year the house was built, I think, and the name of the people who live there. But then there's a, a, a code that you can scan on your phone and it gives you a whole history of the house and the people who live there. And it was really cool. So our daughter and I and one of her friends and her moms, we went and we were looking at the different houses and the kids were really into it. So, um, you know, at first I was scanning the code on my phone and then I would read out loud, um, you know, the history of the house. And then the kids took the phone and were reading the history of the houses. But fortunately, on this particular house that I'm about to read a little bit about, I was the one who had the phone and was reading it about it. And um, and this, uh, this was about a certain house in our town. So it says, Orlando Smith was a prosperous farmer who also owned a sawmill located on Bissell Brook in what is now McLean's Game Refuge in 1833. By 1897, Orlando Smith was still living in the house with his daughter, Louise, or Mrs. Daniel P. Cooley. That year, <laughs> that year, at the age of 86 and in poor health, he committed suicide. First, he shot himself in the head, parentheses, which was not successful, and then hanged himself. <laughs> so I got to that part. I'm reading it out loud to the kids. And I was like, and stopped myself just in time. And I showed it to the other mom who I was with. I was like, wait a second. Was this part of the history of the house really necessary? And then, of course, we went on a 10-minute riff of, like, the poor guy. First, he shot himself in the head, which was not successful, and then hanged himself. So anyway, well, I, just I like, hope the I subsequent just, owners had better experience in that home. I'm just happy that his life ended on a successful note. <laughs> but did it, it? It just shows you the, the relative definition of success. <laughs> I mean, we can't even, we can't even like 
in good conscience make fun of this. I'm not making fun of it. It's just, it I'm, was I'm, just. It's, it's, it has nothing to do with the guy whose name I, I don't even know, but it has to do with the description on the poster. Right, of course, of course, yes. Um, there's nothing funny about suicide. Just that, that, those two sentences were added at the end of this description of this house tour was just what absolutely um, just uh, surprised me. I don't know if I mentioned this on last week's podcast or not, but um, I got an email from the tech people at ESPN, and they wanted me to run a speed test on our internet speed here at the did, house. I think you did mention it. Okay. But, but there but was I a cliffhanger. I think it was before I ran the speed test, though. So they wanted me to do it to see if um, probably if we had the speed, if I need to broadcast stuff from you, home. You may have left viewers hanging on the uh, cliffhanger of, was there enough speed? Well, no. This is the thing. So I did the speed test from the kitchen where, where my little desk is, where I get to do my work. And the speed was okay, but kind of not great. And then I go into your office, where, is, where it happens to be, where our, our modem is. You got lightning speed in there. You're, you're, you, you can just move and shake and do whatever you need to do on your computer. And I'm like at, the, in, at my desk in the kitchen, and it's just well, like barely sending stuff and I barely downloading stuff. If it makes you feel better, I'm neither moving nor shaking in that office. I know. And and most of the time you're probably just writing. You're not even you're not even utilizing not even writing. I'm all just sitting of the there. speed that's at your fingertips. And instead, like I'm trying to watch games and videos and whatever else is going well, on and I've easy. got this slow let's let's slow swap, moving. I know swap how nice places. that would be. Well do it. Okay. Anyway, in <laughs> that uh, that was the update on our speed test. It seems more like of a like a passive aggressive or or aggressive aggressive shot at at me. Well, no, but of course the whole solution is for me to move the modem into the kitchen, which might be the next step. Shall we get to viewer mail? Yes, let's please get to viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Uh, the first email comes into bullandchainpod at gmail.com, and it's, uh, the header is women's basketball shoes. I don't know if this is viewer mail, if this is just uh, retail. Was it dear ball, or was it? It says, hello, ball, parentheses, or chain, depending on who Rebecca is. Who oh, are you? so this is clearly for me. Well, let's well, see. Well, if it's entitled women's basketball shoes, it hopefully is. Given your experiences as an, as an athlete with three girls, I thought you would find tonight's exchange with my sister amusing. My niece, 11 years old, is preparing for the upcoming basketball season and needed some new sneakers. Her mom took her to two stores to get shoes, but neither store had girl-slash-women's basketball shoes. At the second store, she exclaimed, Don't they know that girls play basketball? I said to my sister that a feminist is born, and she responded that her feminist mama is so proud. Anyway, given the inspiration that you've been to so many girls, so this is for me, the experience your daughters are having with the power of the and the power of the WNBA, I thought I would share the story. Keep up all the good work on the podcast. Sincerely, Chris, your resident chief HR officer. What is Hello and thank you, Chris. It is kind of crazy because, you know, years ago there was the Air Swoops, the first, you know, Nike shoe ever named after a woman. I don't think Nike has done a shoe named after a woman since then. Um, so they make Really? Yeah. How is that possible? I don't know. Every third 
NBA player has a shoe named after them, right? Don't they? Well, they and they might make um, make a shoe, you know, the whatever that um, Elena Deladon wears, but it's Maya not Moore called the Deladon or that sort didn't of she? thing. No, Maya Moore was signed by Brand Jordan, oh, right? But there wasn't. She was wearing Jordans. She wasn't wearing Maya Moore's. Um, but they do make shoes in um, youth sizes, and you know, women's feet aren't that much different than men's feet. But yeah, you can't find if you want to go get a Air Bird, Air Tarasi, Air Stewie, whatever. Um, it doesn't exist. Air Bird, redundant, unless unless there were a flightless bird. Right. <laughs> True. Rebecca writes our next uh, correspondent, and and have you noticed a trend so far in, in the viewer mails? That they're to me. Direct addressed directly to you. Yes, yes. I like that. I, I do too. Uh, Rebecca, I was pleased to hear that you and your older daughter volunteered to work the polls this year. That's a great civic contribution. When when using the phrase work the polls is I a know. little disturbing. I should say I it's P-O-L-L-S. We must make yes. that clear, yes. right? Yes, Rebecca, I was pleased to hear that you and your older daughter volunteered to work the polls this year. That's a great civic contribution. Here's a Hartford Current story today, noting that 10,000 volunteers have stepped forward to serve as poll workers on Election Day. You and I both read that story, and yes. we were heartened by Absolutely. that um, sentence. In a tough year, I see this as a good sign of engagement. Cheers, Preston. Again, I think our... our and even in our small town, they had... Um, a lot of people volunteer, I think maybe even more than they needed. And um, and I think I already mentioned this, but one of the things that's interesting, like today when I when I am at the poll or, or when, when I'm at the town hall, I am going to be working with a friend of mine who is the opposite party affiliation. So they always put um, a Re- Republican with a Democrat, a Democrat with a Republican, just as kind of an extra check and balance in the whole process. But um, yeah, they had a lot even in our little town. Of an, an extra work. check and balance? Yes. Is there a singular balance? I guess Checks so. Checks and balances, yeah. Like a counterweight, yeah. An extra balance and check, yes, I think so. Checks and balances. Yes. That could have been the name of this. That, that, that will be the name of this podcast in the future. Okay. If, if you continue to do- If we rebrand. Election volunteering. Right. Checks, checks and balances. Yes. Uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry will have to come up with a new theme. Are we ready for our next one? Yes. Is it to me? Sadly, this one is Dear Rebecca and Steve. Uh, I'm first, though. Well, of course, alphabetically. Just to clarify, I am Dude Ferg in Delaware and happy to be your Delaware dude. Last week, we got uh, viewer mail from from Ferg in Delaware, and it was a rare, rare missive from the state of Delaware. Right. The one blind spot internationally in our our, uh, viewership, right? It was, but no longer. We hear, we hear routinely from from Tokyo and and other places abroad and all over the United States and Canada. Mm-hmm. But Delaware? Della won't. Della wouldn't. Della who? Okay. But now that's, that's, that's all in the past because Ferg in Delaware uh, writes, My friend Matt is the Matt from Fisher's Island in New York. He highly recommends your book, Steve. So I have Knights in White Castle on hold at the library. Thank you. Ferg and Matt. I miss White Castle terribly. I grew up in New Jersey with White Castles everywhere, but there aren't any in Delaware. Speaking of books, back in the 90s, I had a friend whose parents lived in Connecticut and somehow knew Rebecca's mom. They were able to get a copy of the home team autographed by both Rebecca and Ruth Ann for my wife, Sarah, for which we are both very grateful. Awesome. Finally, regarding Bingo, Bango, Bongo, and Irving, I read just a few weeks ago that Toru 
Iwatani, the creator of Pac-Man, named the monsters Inky, Binky, Pinky, and Clyde as an homage to that Gilligan's Island episode. That's incredible if it's true. And and, and, and belongs and, on the show. We and incredible if kids. it isn't true. That's incredible. Uh, absolutely. Frank Tarkenton should uh, tell the nation about that in 1980. I don't know if it's true or not, but it sounds good, writes Ferg. Thank you both very much. Always looking forward to new episodes. Sincerely, Ferg in Delaware. Thank you, Ferg Thank in you. Delaware. That's uh, we'll have to we'll have to look into the veracity of that claim, um, but I love it. The 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 symmetry is there. Bingo, bango, bongo, and Irving, Binky, Pinky, uh, Inky, Binky, Pinky, and Clyde. Right? Yes. Well, speaking of which, and this is just unbelievable. The very next email in the queue, I kid you not, is headlined Bingo, Bango, Bongo, and Ferg, and John Williams. Okay. All right. Hello, Rostiva. It's Matt from Fisher's Island. The aforementioned Matt from Fisher's Island. Hello, Matt. I think I might be a resident volunteer firefighter or maybe just resident deserted islander. Also, from many moons ago, former Connecticut Sun employee who would ask Rebecca how Steve was whenever we would cross paths. Ah, uh, yes, I remember that. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, writes, writes Matt, with all the talk about Bingo Bango and Bongo the past two episodes, I can't believe that no one has brought up the wonderful golf game of the same title. Did I not bring that up? I don't think so. I brought it up as a basketball game. Of yes. course it's a golf game. Of course it's a golf game. Uh, that's that's what I knew it from. It's a golf game that I've played with my father, my brothers, and and, and those are the main people I've ever played golf with. But um, but yes, of course. Now, prior to today, I'd only heard of it and had a vague understanding of the rules. But after listening to more discussion about BB and B, I not only researched it, but I played seven holes with two buddies today. Here are the rules. On each hole, and, and, and I... All I knew was I, I had to hand over money at the end of every game of Bingo, Bango, and Bongo because the rules remained opaque to me as I played this 20 times, okay? Okay. Here are the rules, according to Matt. On each hole, one point is awarded to the person who hits the ball in the green. First, bingo. Once all players are on the green, the person who is closest to the hole receives a point, bango, and the first person to put the ball in the hole is awarded the final point, bongo. Proper etiquette must be followed to ensure all players are hitting when it's their turn, and I can confirm it is ridiculously fun. I ended up holing out from off the green on one hole to take all three points, the hat trick, and ended up coming from one point down on the final hole to take the victory. There's lots of scorekeeping, I can tell you, like on the 18th green and the exchange of of cash and and uh, it's complicated. On to John Williams. I know it's kind of incredible to think that John Williams wrote the original Gilligan's Island theme song. Here are some more incredible songs that he wrote from the TV world that will amaze you. Sunday Night Football theme. John Williams. According, dun, 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 uh, is that Sunday dun, night dun, or Monday dun, night? Dun, that's Monday night. But but this this is according to Matt from Fisher's Island. I can't I can't verify this, but I'm I'm okay. I'll take him at his word. NBC Nightly News theme. Maybe Denny can insert all of these Meet the in. Press. That's a third NBC program. John Williams must must be on uh, retainer with, with NBC. The Olympic fanfare and theme, not that surprising. Anyway, I'm so glad that Ferg, my pal, is the first Delawarean, question mark. If he is too shy to request swag from you, please let me know, and I'll provide you his address. I hope all the Russians are healthy and happy on the hunt for a Lowenbrow. Matt. You know what? I'll have to say that like when we do WNBA games um, early in the season – and then sometimes late in the season, um, but usually early in the season, and we do an NBA promo, like the music comes up. Like, so so we're in the middle of a game and there's a free throw or something and Ryan has to do a promo for an upcoming NBA game. Um, their music comes up behind it if it's like an ABC game. And I've always asked, like, can we get some music? Can we get some? 
that's the Olympic, Olympic fanfare. Yeah. Yes, it would have been better. Um, had part of my story ahead of been the NBA theme, but anyway, well, I've no, asked uh, but, but, uh, Matt enclosed these themes. He embedded them in the okay. in the email. Well, I've asked for WNBA music, and none exists. And so I want John them to Tesh. enlist John Tesh or John Williams. Why not John Williams? Any John? I'll the two John Tesh or John, John Williams. One of them. Elton John. Um, give us a WNBA theme song, please. John Popper from Blues Traveler. <laughs> harmonica theme. a little theme. harmonica, yeah. Rich writes, hi guys, when I got my first car, an 86 Ford Escort, I purchased a cheap pair of gloves to put into the glove box, or as I prefer, compartment, so that I could honestly use those terms. That same never-worn pair of gloves has lived in my subsequent Saturn, Honda, and Mazda. Thanks, Rich in Corvallis, Oregon. That's right. We call it the glove box, glove compartment. I always knew it as a kid as the glove compartment, Did not the glove box. He, does he wear the gloves or he doesn't wear the gloves? No, no, he keeps them in there to, to uh, I mean, if you're in keep Corvallis, the, the you're veracity of the... Yeah. The integrity, the, the the so that it can still be a glove compartment, an honest glove box. It's not a glove box; it's a glove compartment. Glove compartment. He's right. We call it the glove box. I don't no, know why. We, some people do. No, I no, call no, it as a, a glove kid, compartment. It was always the glove compartment. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But some people call it a glove box. Yes. Who? I don't know, but I wouldn't have repeated if it hadn't hurt it somewhere. <laughs> I'm not sure anybody does. I think we may just have said that in the last the glove box. No, I think some people say glove box. I don't know. Maybe our viewers can let us know if they if, if any of our viewers call it a glove box, let us know. Uh, Dear Chain and Ball, writes our next correspondent. Parentheses, just thought I'd mix it up a little. I'm a semi-recent addition to your listenership, having picked up the pot on a friend's recommendation back in the spring. But it's been great entertainment through the pandemic, and I've gone back and listened to the whole back catalog. Well, thank you. Thanks for keeping it going this whole time, and I hope this note finds you well. I just wanted to write and add my voice to the many viewers that you so welcomely let into your home virtually and speak up for some of the different personalities that may be less present, as well as challenge some stereotypes. We always like that, right? Mm -hmm. And since I know Steve enjoys things that are enumerated, I will present my points as such. One, some time ago you lamented the existence of Uber's quiet mode. Do you remember that? Seems like a world ago, doesn't it? It does. When's when the last time you've been in an Uber? comfortably been, rode in yes. an Uber. Yeah, you may never do that. You might not do that in the next year as well, right? Who knows? Who knows? Um, I generally am very uncomfortable with and loathe being in situations where I have to attempt to make small talk with someone I've never met. And I much prefer being able to quietly keep to myself and riding in the back of somebody else's car instead of answering the usual probing questions about myself that drivers like to ask. In addition, I'm very protective of the private information I share and it makes me uneasy when somebody I know nothing about, who obviously knows I'm going to the airport, starts asking where I'm going, how long I'll be gone, and what I do for a living. That's a good point. And, and our viewer, I should say, um, uh, we have no name on this viewer, which is uh, I respect. <laughs> they two. didn't send their name? Well, two. Well, I think we're getting to that. Right. Two, I work in the tech industry and have a background in human-computer interaction. I'm very confident in saying that no, Rebecca, no, your Amazon Echo is not recording everything you say but that the uncanny promotional materials are absolutely coming from your internet browser cookies watching you and your shopping history. This came up yesterday. We got a st sticky ad for something that, that you said, that's because I said this out loud, but in fact it was because you had just searched up something. And it was, it was I know, I remember it was a political candidate. You were searching I, up who that person's opponent was, exactly. and then you got an ad for that person that you were trying to vote against. Exactly. Uh, every ad network and retailer leaves cookies on your phone and computer and uses loyalty programs to track websites you visit and things you buy. Email advertisers are actually fairly cunning at crafting their messages to be as relatable as possible using this data, giving their emails the best chance they can to connect something to something in your mind. And yet, aren't you always aware, Rebecca, when you've been targeted? I feel like I'm always oh, yes. aware. 
Yeah, of course. I don't think I even get random ads anymore. It doesn't doesn't feel like it. Uh, since the Alexa voice assistant is easier to personify, people generally are quicker to attribute malice and therefore blame to it. This is also why Marty has googly eyes. People are proven to be more likely to be comfortable with and not mess with a robot they can personify. That's interesting. interesting. Even though the googly eyes terrify our daughter. The reality is the processing power and storage required to passively listen to billions of people's conversations and convert those two key and convert those to keywords is beyond the scale of what's currently available, even to the likes of Amazon. Perhaps they're working on it, Rebecca. I'm certain they're working. But on it. but that's interesting and it's kind of reassuring to to know that uh, that technology, while I'm sure uh, they want it, is beyond their their powers at this point. It makes a lot more sense economically to use that data that's already in a machine readable format than to parse the complexities of human speech and decipher the peculiarities of dozens of human languages. Alexa is just not as intelligent as most people assume it is. Hmm. I, I, I find that uh, Alexa has plenty of blind spots, especially when it comes to recognizing the, the uh, 1970s song that I'm trying to get her to play. Uh, the algorithms behind it are impressive, but they're mostly based on recognition of words from a present preset, albeit very large list of expected keywords, et cetera, et cetera. Also, FYI, there's usually a physical mute button on those devices, so you don't need to unplug them. Did you know that? I did. I just don't trust the okay. mute button. I think the mute button would, would make it listen with a keener ear. <laughs> ah, very. Uh, COVID-19, the pandemic, and the last four years have, have highly tuned us to expect yes. the... Uh, the worst. The stereotypes. Three, the stereotypes of male-female personalities and roles at home are a constant source of banter on the podcast. There's lots of historical reasons that many of these stereotypes exist and plenty of anecdotal evidence keeping them around. But I hope to provide some counterpoints to disprove the, universi the universality of these assertions. I like, I like this. Uh, I do the, too. The, um, it's, it's a check and a balance. But this is also the kind of letter you would re have received longhand in a more formal age. And I, and I, and I like that. I bristle anytime somebody chalks any action up to a man or woman thinking or not thinking in a specific gendered way or attributing a certain forgetfulness or emotional state to somebody because they're a man or a woman, as gender and personality are a lot less rigid than that. So here are some subpoints to point number three. Are you ready? These are not enumerated. They're just bullet pointed. I'm ready. I know guys that don't take a vested interest in the kitchen, but I actually know more that do, and there's plenty of girls that readily admit to hating cooking. I personally love cooking and baking, especially desserts, and my wife and I regularly enjoy cooking together. Now, for me personally... My, my interest in the kitchen, as you know, tends to be fixing um, garbage receptacles with, with non-existent pliers. Once every 15 years. Once every 15 yes. years. Two, uh, subset. I'm going to letter this B. The question on things constantly being put in the wrong spot, in quotes, or what a recent listener termed male pattern blindness is in no way a gender issue, but a personality one, with whoever's the more detail-oriented being the more obsessive one. In our kitchen, I'm constantly moving things back to where they're supposed to go from seemingly random places. That's the role you fulfill in our uh, It is the role I fulfill, in our kitchen. Yes. C, yes, guys can be terrific gift givers. I pride myself on coming up with things that are thoughtful and personal, such as such a good scavenger hunt, personalized crossword, or adventure retracing, or adventure retracing past memories. Now I fear that our correspondent has just sold me out as a poor gift giver. Well, and and I didn't, and maybe I have come out and said you that have. men aren't good gift no, givers. No, just this one in particular. Yes, you, you are not. But I, I think there are plenty of men who are. D. I keep souvenirs I'm from everything. I'm just not married to him. Yes, I keep souvenirs from everything remotely interesting. I do. I still have the receipt from my wife and my first date, and the ticket stubs from some of our first movies, concerts, and sporting events. 
she's definitely the bigger sports fan in our house, and I know plenty of examples of that being true. I will always double-check food orders before I leave a restaurant. I do not do that. No. And and I am and I, like I am this and, and 100% of the time this I, person I am and burned I are for kindred that. spirits. Yes, you are. Hand, handiness to fix things or or gentleness to handle things delicately like plastic wrap have nothing to do with gender aside from our societal assumption that boys learn to fix things from from dads and girls learn to do homey things from moms neither of which is actually universally true. Well, I certainly didn't learn to fix anything by my dad. And I certainly didn't get my gentleness from him either. You, you didn't learn anything from your mother either. Nor did I learn anything from my mother. <laughs> True. Uh, finally, and I do love using emojis maybe a little too much. I know I wrote a lot, and I hope you don't think less of me for it. I love listening to the pod, but I wanted to share some thoughts that hopefully you two feel are insightful and helpful. I don't expect such a long missive will be read on the pod. It was. But hopefully it gives some food for thought. Finally, while this email might be a strong application for resident grumbler or resident contrarian, I suspect Steve might already hold those titles. You are correct. Thanks. Signed, A Quiet Listener. Can I can I just add something that I think um, works with this particular viewer mail? Please. Last week, um, I, I coach our son's travel basketball team. Our son is now in seventh grade, so I, I coached all these boys in fifth and sixth grade. And so last week, I sent an email. The weather was going to be nice um, to the parents and said, if you want to drop your sons off at the playground, I will be there for the hour um, if the boys want to play pickup. So I did that just sat there in the grass. On occasion, I would say, nice pass, so-and-so, or nice shot, so-and-so, but I wasn't coaching. I was just sitting there so that parents would feel comfortable dropping their kids at the park while their son played. So I was telling you about it later in the day. Do you remember what you said? I'm sure you'll remind me. You said, I mean, I can't even imagine if when I was playing pickup in seventh grade, if my mom had been there watching. Now... Well, I can't. Right. Of course you can't. But I am their coach... And I was there, like, supervising. It was, I yes, just, but, but I found mom... it to be an odd thing to say because I wasn't there as our son's mom there watching. Oh, I was there not. as 10 boys coach. I can't imagine playing pickup basketball in seventh grade and having anybody there supervising. Well, true. But in this is a different day and age. But so. especially my mom, who, who was, in her own right, a basketball Hall of Famer. Was she? She did. She she played briefly for the Sacramento Kings. Actually, they were then the Kansas City Kings. This anyway, was in the 70s. Anyway, I, I, I thought about it later and I was like, huh, that was an interesting thing to say because, of course, nobody would just like be able to picture playing pickup and having their mom there. But I'm, I did, wasn't there as a mom. I was there as the coach. And may I ask a, a, an awkward question? All of your questions are awkward, yes. How did that supervising go? Oh, not well. Not well. So most of the, of the ten boys, kids playing. Wait, most of the how boys. How many of them? Hold on. Most of the boys are also on the required soccer Required medical team. attention. Most of the boys are also on the soccer team. Of the nine kids there, how many only required one medical had, attention? Only one had to go to urgent care. And then one had to stay home from school the next day, not the same one who went to urgent care. How so, many of them required medical <laughs> devices at the next day's soccer game? Two. Two. So it was a good thing that I was there because if these boys were getting injured without an adult there to at least say, would you like me to call your mother? <laughs> One boy sprained his wrist and the other boy crushed his uh, knee against the unpadded basket support. Yeah, it the metal pole holding the metal up the pole. Yeah. yeah. So that's how, that's how it went. And then the and then I the the mother. Uh, the mothering came out of me instead of the coaching as I was trying to 
talk to the boys about their injuries. But yeah, didn't go so well. Amira writes in with uh, with the aforementioned rules to bingo, bango, and bongo, and bingo, bango, bongo in golf. Hi, Rebecca and Steve. Apparently, bingo, bango, bongo is pervasive in the sports world, and she she um, includes the golf rules. On a different topic, she writes, a few episodes back, you had coined a podcast motto, there is no end to the thirst for knowledge. Do you remember that, Rebecca? Oh, right, yeah. There I is no you, end to I the thirst for knowledge. I think you had coined that. It reminded me of a book titled, it reminded me of a book titled Prisoner of Trebekistan. Myra, I, let me remind you, is our resident librarian. Oh, right. So it reminded her of a book titled Prisoner of Trebekistan, written by a former Jeopardy champion. Trebekistan is a place where a love of learning reigns, and the more you learn, the more you realize how much you don't know, which results in more learning and more realization of what you don't know, and on and on and on. How's that for a link from the podcast model to popular podcast topics of books and game shows? Perhaps there's a way to fit beer slogans and White Castle in. Myra Ballenchain, resident librarian. I, I love that. Thank you, Myra. I love that uh, That the more you learn, the more you learn what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it strikes me as uh, learning as a form of, uh, as a gateway to ignorance, to infinite <laughs> ignorance. That should be our podcast motto. Gateway the to gateway ignorance. to infinite ignorance. Um, What's the lot for that? Do you remember that? that it was, was that NBC? Maybe that was John Williams too. Remember? Wasn't it the more you know? And it was the oh, that was NBC with the rainbow the star. stars. Yeah. You sometimes see that like as a jokey meme on uh, stuff. Stuff. Yeah. Any more viewer mail? Well, is there not a Dr. Gary there is, Siegel there is. letter? Of course there is. I mean, how dare you? Finally, hitting cleanup. Dr. Gary Siegel writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, when I woke up this morning, Wednesday, podcast release day, I dutifully, as advised by my wife, looked at my phone at both my calendar and the weather. I've also started checking Instagram first thing as well. And spoiler alert, I saw the fantastic Steve Russian pumpkin, the Steve Russian pumpkin, the Steve Russian pumpkin. that George made before I had listened to the podcast. I could hardly wait to hear the story behind it later in the day. Well done, George. You'll be the star at the 2021 Ball and Chain Gathering. I think George will be in the lobby uh, carving pumpkins in the likeness of, of each Ball and chain resident, don't you think, Rebecca? I think so. With a chainsaw, like a nice sculptor. Yes, like Edward Scissorhands. And he'll be wearing a jeweler's loop to get all the fine details of, of say, Myra, the resident librarian. Mm-hmm. Shifting gears a bit, let's go in list form. Ah. He knows we like list you know form. That. Let's go in list form to... To continue the double-digit birthday celebration since your youngest likes lists. One, since your first mention of spam email coming into your email address, I've been wondering when the salutation is Dear Ball, is the B capitalized? It is. I've no doubt that other viewers have wondered the same thing. Two, Rebecca, in our local school systems, the talented and gifted students of which you were one are called TAG students, T-A-G caps. I am pretty certain that the acronym TAG stands for talented and gifted. However, last century when I was in school, the designation was honor student. Were you... you, tagged as a tag or were you an honor student do you remember or were you just i think i was a tag in middle school and an honor student in high school and then and then in college you were just uh exceptional i don't know go read three doubtlessly you and the viewing audience are familiar with awacs a-w-a-c-s the military planes that provide radar and other early warnings of impending attacks etc as a board certified OBGYN and that lessing in any regard, any non-traditional families, I am sure that the reason that puppy was a two-fully belly, that puppy with a two-full belly, sick children, etc., seek out Rebecca over Steve is not related to the layout of the room. Rebecca, you alluded to having an, inter- an internal AWACS that seems to function better than Steve's AWACS. 
I can attest to a similar situation, not only in our household, but in dozens of households in which the mother typically at postpartum visit has told me the following. The baby is doing very well. Sometimes I have to get up and choose all that apply to feed slash change slash soothe slash rock the baby. Steve, you may insert any husband's name here, will inevitably awaken in the morning and ask, did the baby sleep through the night? So so it isn't just me. No, and and I don't know if our quiet listener is going to like this particular correspondence from Dr. Siegel. Well, but it's but we, it comes we, from years and years of his experience. What I'm thinking of about this is at on Antenna TV, this channel that shows old reruns. Every night at ten o'clock is a rerun of a thirty to forty year old Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, and they have a, a a finite number of shows that they rotate through there. So I've seen them all a couple of times, and I'd probably seen it originally when it ran in the you know 1979. But on one night. Johnny Carson in his monologue is talking about the AWACS missile. And he asks Freddie de Cordova off camera or Ed McMahon, what does AWACS stand for? And Johnny, Johnny says what he thinks it stands for, but he doesn't have the, the letters AWACS aren't in there. And it creates confusion. And then, and then Ed says it's something else, also not AWACS. And they didn't have Google then, so they couldn't look it up. But they eventually came up with Airborne Warning and Control System. That's what AWACS stands for. And uh, that's what I was thinking while I was reading about the, the AWACS missile. Johnny Carson, Ed McMahon, and Freddie de Cordova on The Tonight Show in 1979, or whenever it was, trying to figure out what that stood for. Okay, Rebecca? Mm-hmm. Four, in closing, Dr. Siegel writes, I am so excited about your Halloween tube, through which you can safely, your Halloween tube, mm-hmm. through which you can safely send socially distanced candy. I just like that, that the uh, OBGYN is, is uh, excited about the Halloween tube. Is, is, is tube tying, is that a still a phrase that's used? I don't know. I in, so. in, the, in that world? I don't know. Uh, that triggered a memory of a recent Halloween during which I was eating, as I am wont to do, the leftover candies such as Snickers and Milky Way bars, which are delicious when frozen. I was informed a day or two later by my dentist that eating frozen candy was akin to eating rocks. That discussion took place over, over, over a visit for a broken crown. Indeed, the frozen mini Snickers was not only delicious, but also expensive. All the best. Gary with two R's. Gary... In our experience, your crown will always be intact. On that nit- note. On that nit. On that note. Tom DeCari, play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane